A very good evening to the cheerful audience. I, Nidhi Baghel, welcome you all to this session of Orange City Literature Fest 2020. This session is on lost recipes of India with Chef Aditya Bal in conversation with Arva Ahmed. Our speaker, Chef Aditya Bal, he has been uh, he has been hosting and anchoring. With over a decade of experience in the culinary field from award-winning cookery shows on NDTV, Epic and TLC HD to running his own food startups, from writing cookbooks to setting up food and beverage projects, Chef Aditya Bal has enjoyed every element of his journey. In everything, he try and infuse passion and enthusiasm into his work. At present, he has just launched his Kolkata-based food startup called Delhi Kebab House, where he has brought the flavors of Mughlai and Punjabi cooking of North India to the city's food lovers. Our moderator, Arva Ahmed, has grown up in Dubai, but spent nine years in the US from for her undergraduate and master's education at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, and then her management consulting life in New York when she returned to Dubai in 2010, she started a food blog called I Live in a Frying Pan, which eventually transformed into her current food tour business. Arva Ahmed founded Frying Pan Adventures, Dubai's first licensed food and culture tourism company in 2013. Driven by her hunger to show people the authentic side of the city she had grown up in. Along with her sister, Farida, she is also the co-host of UAA's first-ever dedicated food podcast, Deep Fried. I'm sure we are going to have a great and delicious session. I now hand over to the moderator, Arva Ma'am. Over to you. Thanks, Nidhi. Chef Aditya, such a pleasure and an honor to be speaking with you today. No, no, the honor is all mine. And uh, I, I must say, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, by the way, uh, for the, for that wonderful introduction, by the way, and I'm most intrigued by uh, Arva by uh, you know this uh, food tours uh, that you're doing in in Dubai. I mean that's something that uh, is it's uh, must be super interesting as well. It me. is, it is. But yeah. what I'm actually more interested in is the tour that you're doing right now. So before we even get started on the conversation, I know right before we went live, you just mentioned that you are on a journey from you've been on a journey from Kolkata to now you're in Goa. So you're on the road during these crazy pandemic times. What on earth are you yeah. doing? Just let's pause and just answer yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, in a in a very in a in with with and uh, you know with all all possible social distancing and uh, and all the uh, precautions. No, uh, actually, this is something that uh, I'm I'm uh, you know looking to do some work here, uh, start up some work here, some uh, project work as well as uh, uh, I would say discovering some more cuisine this side, but uh, but. I'm also kind of uh, getting into the, uh, I would say, content creation, uh, right. food, food content creation of my own. Finally, after after many years of kind of just uh, working and being involved with the F&B business part of it, uh, this last uh, year or so, you know, has actually given me time. Like I'm sure it's given a lot of us time to yes to reassess to reassess things to see where they're going and and also. I think it's almost become necessary to take a 
to, to kind of integrate more with this uh, digital age and uh, and that way of, of of working. So yeah, I actually, but yes, we've once been driving. I I, uh, I really enjoy driving long distance. I, I can actually do very long distances. I have that kind of ability, I think, over the years. And uh, so yeah, we've, we've driven 2,500 KMs. We're here and then we'll see where we go from here further. Just kind of uh, trying to find some inspiration at the end of what's been a challenging year, you know, uh, right. for us all. <laughs> Just trying to find that, yeah, it, that inspiration it going. And I hear you. I mean, this is the year when a lot of people are exploring the content that they should have created for the last 10 years plus. And Whatever. suddenly now is the year where like, okay, we have this time. Let's just get it done. You know, there's no excuse I at the so. end of this year. I think so. And, and also a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people have actually, uh, you know, this, this space has grown. Uh, yes. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like uh, I kind of joke about this that you know it's uh, like i come from a classical kind of old school you know i would say almost generation so i am kind of like all about like you know uh, cook for a living just keep cooking for a living and like you know one business into the other you know one doesn't work start again start again the, but now now the game I, I believe the game has kind of moved on a bit it's uh, course food will always be integral to uh, the business and, and people will always consume food, but uh, but content itself has become uh, of great value. Yes, and a great way of of, uh, of you know pushing whatever you're doing as well. So it's 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 a good avenue for everyone, anyone, and it's it's such a it's pretty easy to do. It gives it's you know you can do it regardless of uh, where you are, as long as you have some decent uh, I think internet connectivity. Right. Maybe even a basic phone, you yeah. know, almost anyone can create. So it's great fun to have, uh, to be able to create your own content and, you know, play around with it, see what comes out. Yes. yes. So I'm, I'm quite excited. It's like a new, uh, yet another, uh, you know, another chapter. Absolutely. There's, I mean, I think there's no better time than now to say that content yeah. is king because the virtual appetite for the global appetite for these kinds of things has just skyrocketed this year. And the beauty of creating your own content is then you're not just limited to the place you live in, the country you live in, you're pretty much accessing the world, which brings me to the series that you yeah, are, are hosting which is yes. Lost Recipes and which is the title of this session. I'm nice. very curious about how you decided to go with Lost Recipes because a lot of people that I meet tend to be people who are really into either evolving dishes or you know, there's a lot of let's import from place mm. X into where we are and get a little taste of something that's far away. But you've decided that you're going to sort of rewind and go back in time and hunt out these these old forgotten recipes. Why that approach? Well, uh, you know, I, at the outset, I'd like to say that uh, I've just been, you know, I'm just very fortunate to actually have been, you know, part of these uh, and this uh, series. Uh, I think most of the credit really goes to uh, I would say the channel and and the producers, uh, my director, producer as well. Uh, you know uh, the people who actually kind of 
really brought this concept and and kind of believed in 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 kind of doing a pilot episode uh, right. of of way back in 2013 wow uh, well yeah so we've done two seasons now so you know uh, like i said i mean the uh, i personally didn't really kind of come up with this uh, myself it was more like you know here's an idea why don't we see if it's even possible to do and of course i was like i'd be more than uh, you know i'd be very glad to do that so uh, in fact it started here in, in goa itself 2013 mm-hmm. we did the pilot episode and uh, and then we of course then the channel uh, approved it and and we got on it so like i said i mean i i personally uh, i just feel that i'm very like fortunate to uh, to have been part of it and a lot of the credit really goes to the 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 creative uh, minds behind it so i think there was people at the channel but i think mostly also it was the production house people have worked with for many years um so yeah and and the director she's she's actually the one who 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 does the hard nosed research she's become a great expert at it because i have to tell you right. it, uh, it was not easy finding all these communities uh, to kind I of can uh, imagine okay yeah. yeah yeah so so i'm i'm just a conduit and I'm, i'm like the 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 last the, the last end of everyone's you know one one part of everyone's effort it's it's a completely uh, collective uh, Absolutely, but you do an effortless job of bringing it on screen. But but you do you do, you do a fantastic job of packaging everything together. All of that research, all of you know, all of the thought and the passion that goes behind. You are the face of the show at the end of the day, and I think you do a great job of bringing it to the front. And what better person to pick than someone who enjoys being on the road? Because the kinds of recipes you're looking at, I mean, the point of it being called lost recipes is these are recipes that are truly lost. They're forgotten. They're buried. They are. not easily accessible from what i've seen on your show a lot of the people who are even making these recipes it's really the first time they might be making it or this you know maybe there's a previous generation that made it they have not touched this recipe in forever it's right. like covered in dust in some cases who knows it's it's changed so much so you know how what, what is what is your team's starting point how do you guys even go about figuring out that This is a lost recipe when it's not even there to begin with. You know, I uh, I think basically it's it starts with with getting in touch with people from various communities, sub communities, and and like for example, um, a community like the uh, like the Parsis of the parsi community for example uh, yes you know uh, but of course parsis are in large uh, across many parts of our country but we uh, thought of udwada which is in gujarat where you know which is literally like the uh, which is where the sacred fire is in india you know the the iran shah what you call it you know what right. the, the one of the parts so that's like kind of a a, a sacred uh, it's a sacred place for for parsis in our country gurudwara in gujarat so naturally we uh, would get in touch with someone over there and then ask them literally to think of recipes which maybe uh, they uh, so they also need to research they also uh, some people have recipes some people need to kind of literally ask and 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 kind of do research on their end 
to kind of find recipes which are lost uh so yeah so that's that's really how we uh, you know go about it but it, it really starts with connecting with people and then kind of uh, really uh, asking them so we we again very fortunate to have people who uh, who were kind enough to like you know <laughs> find those recipes because uh, yeah uh, but you know there are people who love uh, love their communities and and food yeah. is to do with the culture so yes. uh, and history in this case you know you're able to get a sense of the history as well yeah. um so so yeah it, it, it's it's all research based uh just getting in touch with people across communities it's like being a culinary archaeologist right where you're sort of digging and digging and digging and digging until you you know you hit on something and yeah 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 it is a lot of that it's a lot of that and I, you know from one of the episodes that i watched uh, i think you had a an anthropologist as well on that show where he said uh, his name was dr kurush dalal and he mentioned that you know sometimes some of these recipes are forgotten or lost because they're so complicated nobody has the time no one has the patience now to be able to replicate some of these steps so uh, my question to you is what are the two most complicated dishes or the two most complicated techniques that you have come across during your time doing this show if you can share a little bit of the delicious details that go into those dishes yeah yeah so uh one that i always uh, that we all remember out of um, more than many others and of course there have been many extremely complex uh, recipes on this series in the two seasons but i think uh, by far uh, one that we all remember for uh, the fact that uh, it took about 12 to 14 hours to film and and and, and cook uh, oh my goodness yeah but the amazing thing was that the uh, the lady who was cooking it sat through all 12 and 14 hours of it With and what, did the team have their bistar there so did you just pass out and no, then you're like okay we'll wake up and <laughs> <laughs> no 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 so this was uh, so 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 this was a way back, like again i think 2014 2014 probably in lucknow and it was winter uh, around the 20th of december oh wow okay. we were fortunate fortunate enough to be shooting uh, to be doing this with the nawab of lucknow and his, him and his oh. wife you know really really sweet couple and very very uh, lovely uh, people and and she uh, you know was just like uh, she wouldn't like you know take any shortcuts or any of that and 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 of course being the nawab's house it wasn't like we'll make this much it was like we're making it <laughs> normal It's not I mean, if you're making it for twelve hours, then who's going to make a single serving? Then you may as well make enough for an army. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so it was that famous um, moti palau, which, which uh, is basically a, a very, very old uh, Mughlai recipe, and uh, it's uh, it's it's just really hard to make. because it starts with uh, you know lamb uh, basically taking lamb uh, sheep lambs intestines and then you know filling it with meat and then tying it up and then boiling them and then cutting them so you get these kind of white pearl kind of scenarios and then making an oh. entire palau uh, which of course uh, when you're doing it with a mughlai way it's a proper palau it's not like how you know it's not any shortcut kind of a method uh 
What's a proper pulao in your opinion? When you say a proper pulao, what do you mean? A proper pulao is is where first and foremost, you know, uh, if if the proportion of liquid to the rice has to be exactly perfect. Whatever mm-hmm. else you want to put in that, that yeah. rice has to come out exactly perfect, absorbing exactly that amount of liquid yes. and all of the flavors that you put into it, according right. to me. And of course, uh, you can give a dum to a palau also, as in that you know this right. was also cooked sealed on top, so it was dum karke. So wow. uh, once the liquid, once the liquid is absorbed by the rice, then the rest of it is just, it, the rice. Then after that, just steams and kind of relaxes, and so everything comes out like incredibly chilawa, you know, the rice. And, and so clearly, she also, uh, you know, being. Uh, you know, Lucknow, that way they are extremely particular about their way of cooking. And you can see that there. You know, it's 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 in the it's in the blood, it's in the it's in the DNA. So there's no way that they're not going to take a proper handi, which is you know, a wide around the edges, uh, around the sides, so that the rice is going to pulo. I mean, these are these little things. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people a lot of people uh, who want to cook like these kind of dishes need to understand that the first thing is that you need to have the right shape of vessel if you right. want that result yes so, so she did that uh, and then of course every ingredient in that there was mutter in it peas also but those were also to be cooked separately in a masala i mean mm, okay. I in the house if you make a mutter ka pala, like a peas <laughs> palao, and then something in one pot to basically yes you'll just throw it all into one pot but but yeah. you know she being so that tarika and that tor tarika that she showed us and yeah. that um, so, to answer your question, uh, it just takes time. These recipes they take hours sometimes, right? And and that's what we don't we don't want to put in anymore. We don't we can't put in anymore. And uh, and that's why recipes like this have kind of uh, been lost through time. I mean, people just don't make them, and and as a result, people forget. You know, they they don't make it from generation to generation. I mean, after the, I just keep thinking that what happens once these people kind of are no more recipes, if they don't, if nobody takes it forward, it goes with them, you know. So we remember that, I remember that Palau and of course there are many, many others which are extremely complex uh, recipes, uh, which most of them take a long time to do and they take very specific ingredients and, and a lot of effort to do them. There's no shortcut cooking. So yeah, I, I gave an example of that palau to people a lot. Love that. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of this, uh, this dish we make in Hyderabad. Uh, my mom had gifted me for one of my birthdays. She gifted me this book by this lady called uh, Mrs. Khan, who everyone had, you know, Mrs. Khan's recipes. And one of those desserts involved interacting with the mist, the morning mist. Yes, yes. Of course, you know, that is and, and I think that exactly, exactly. Mm. And it's just it's these kinds of things that we've, uh, you know, lost the time, the patience, the yeah. whatever else, like we, 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 we've really yeah. uh, regressed in that way. Sometimes we think we've evolved, but I think we've actually lost a lot of that ability to just uh, cook based on intuition and really interact with with nature. Anyway, I want to ask you actually about weird ingredients. So have you ever cr- come across a recipe where 
they used yeah. to use, you're aware that they used to use a certain ingredient, but now that ingredient is simply no longer available or at least not in that vicinity anymore? Yeah, uh, so uh, recently we were uh, in Vishakhapatnam doing some coastal Andhra, uh, uh, coastal Andhra recipe and uh, the uh, chef over there who was kind enough. So we're doing this prawns which are uh, marinated with tamarind leaves and uh, tamarind, tamarind leaves and some spices and then wrapped in teak, teak leaves, you know, teak okay. leaves. So they are. Right. Uh, so I um, so I asked him. Of course, we asked him. You know, why uh, is this lost? He said, "Well, uh, it's uh, it takes a couple of days just to get the various leaves together, just to kind of wrap them and give them, and because that also gives it a flavor." So I would say, of course, peak leaves are available, but it's not something that you would kind of like be like, "Okay, I'm just going outside and picking some peak leaves and coming back." Just getting them from the backyard. No, that's not happening. Yeah, and also. Uh, there was another recipe called um, uh, umbario which was a which is a parsi recipe uh, which involves just very very seasonal uh, ingredients from that very first harvest you know so little uh, garlic chives and little potatoes and uh, even the country chicken and then of course the local local fenny of the that tadi of the area the toddy with which they put it all together uh, so again, uh, a lot of the recipes just have extremely, uh, extremely kind of localized ingredients and, and ingredients that are only available a certain time of the year. Right. Uh, so I would think that most of these ingredients would be really uh, tough to get your hands on regular, like for a regular, like for anyone, if they just wanted to. Absolutely. Like that. Yeah, because we've moved so far away from growing. I mean, most people have. I know there are some incredible people who still grow their own food, but most of us have moved so far away from that, that to be able to understand an ingredient to that extent where you're looking at the differences in the harvest and using that ingredient accordingly, that really requires you to be growing your own vegetables. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, um, as a species, uh, ninety percent of us have actually lost complete touch with this kind of uh, real cycle of seasonal, yes, natural ingredients and the and the role that they play in in your cooking, and yeah. that's something that when you when we go and we work with these people and they are cooking for us and we're just marveling at what ingredients they're using because it's something that's just from the area or it's something from a from a tree, some something growing, and, and you're like, my God, but why was it made? And it's like, that's how they were made. I mean, at one point, that was the way people produced their food in their homes. It wasn't about mass-produced uh, produce, you know, bulk produce. So, so yeah, a lot of these things have changed. And, and that's why hundreds and thousands of varieties of grains and all have just died out over the last 50 years. Worldwide, grains and right. vegetables, and it just Absolutely. died out, right? It just... And they've been replaced by a, just a, a, a much smaller number of mass. Yes. Uh, High yielding stuff. Produce. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So if there was one dish that you could pick from across the show that you think would be worthy of the world's best restaurant, I don't want to take any names of which this restaurant is. I don't want to say Michelin star, even though I just said it, but yeah, imagine yeah, <laughs> if there's one dish that could be 
you know, placed on that global pedestal, which dish do you think it would be? Wow, that's a that's a tough one. But uh, look, so if I mean, so in Hyderabad, we uh, were lucky enough to shoot at that uh, famous uh, that famous palace of uh, the Jahanuma Jahanuma Palace in Hyderabad. Oh, sorry, Falaknuma. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so there we came across this recipe called Ash. Ash. Yeah. I think. Do you know of Ash? Do you know what? Have you ever heard of? Uh, you know, I I did watch that episode. Actually, the Ash that I know of is a Persian dish. It's a it's a yes, soup. So this is Persian. Without a yeah. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, being from Hyderabad, I've never had it in Hyderabad. So tell us more about it. Well, it's uh, very, very simple in its, uh, I mean, I would simple by handful of ingredients, just, just a whole lot of uh, mutton and uh, cooked with uh, salt and badi uh, elaichi, like uh, brown cardamoms. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically the idea is that, that that meat is just boiled with these spices, uh, just these two spices till the time it, they release all. So it's like a shorba, like a consomme, consomme actually in a way. Uh, but what happens is that they they cook it for an hour, then they remove the spices and then uh, they uh, add back fresh spices to it. Then cook it for another hour and take out the spices. Then add fresh again. Then so like wow. that they do it for seven hours continuously till all the essence of the the meat is uh, is kind of uh, you know drawn out into this into this broth, broth. becomes ex- extremely gelatinous and flavorful and then. That is then strained and uh, then further reduced down, and then the meat which is uh, left is, is really like uh, extremely kind of I would say extremely tender, just right. And that's served with a chandi and sone ka work. They put on it, and then they put this little consomme in on this soup plate, and the meat on the top, and then this with this gold beef. So. Uh, why I say it, it makes you know it can find its way to. Uh, uh, a Michelin star restaurant is exactly that. That it's it's an ancient recipe. It's uh, but it's been uh, made super refined, and that's how the Nizam of Hyderabad was, right? I mean, he was known for uh, his uh, love of fine cuisine, and and he he helped taking in taking Hyderabad's cuisine to uh, an extremely high level. I mean, that's what he he did. He invested in in chefs from all over the world. He had. He had chefs from French courts, you know, from the courts of France working for him. And at the same time, the the aristocrats in France took cooks from him, from here to kind of so so that there was that whole thing going on. There was this almost one upmanship kind of scenario. Wow. And, uh, That's a yeah, real that, commitment. Yeah, so so I think that uh, that dish for its for its uh, presentation and its refinement would find its way straight away. Well, let's hope that I can hunt it out when I go back to Hyderabad. I feel like I've missed out all these years, uh, never having tried the dish. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know where you'd you'd actually find it because I I have never myself come across anything uh, commercially. But yeah. if you if you went to his uh, if you went to that hotel, you could definitely like ask them if they could you know, make it. I'm sure they'd be happy to. I think they do that if people uh, are interested. Actually, order that dish. Um, I want to come back to this idea of, 
you know, how to access some of these recipes going forward. Uh, but first, I'm actually curious about whether any of these recipes, these techniques have actually influenced your own cooking and how. Of course, they were, you know, even before Lost Recipes, uh, when we were traveling around for uh, some other shows we were doing, you know, I'm talking about quite some time ago, uh, we were coming across, you know, techniques which were unusual. Uh, for example, uh, hay smoked dishes and uh, even, even, even cooking wrapped in banana leaves and, 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 and uh, coconut husk and uh, using certain elements like that to actually cook the food, steam the food, uh, bake the food. We were coming across recipes like that. So, uh, you know, uh, personally, if I had my way, I would be doing all of my cooking like that, you know, taking, uh, to be really honest, like just taking some dry leaves and making a parcel of something and bunking it in and letting it cook in, it, in those natural kind of, uh, you know, aromas and flavor compounds. Right. Uh, so, so greatly it, it, it influences what I've done. It's just that again, in a practical day to day basis, I think you can't use all of those elements. You have to find a way of striking a balance. And also I think one has to be environmentally conscious now. That's the one thing I feel that is probably not, uh, that, that's, that we now need to look at a lot more, you know, um, there was a time when I was like, let's just cook everything on wood or cook everything coal fired. But I realized that now there's a responsibility towards the environment, which is probably greater than uh, than uh, maybe just you know being a being a purist on flavor. But but when one can, I love cooking on wood and coal and like yeah, I the said, flavor of that is un yeah yeah. For example, in a pit, like you know, you have all of these khad recipes, whether it's in yes. Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh, we've done so. Uh, but then of course you you. Again, you, you can't be that, uh, I would say, you can't do it all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Special occasion cooking. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, Chef Aditya, we're getting some questions from the audience. And yes. um, one of them is sort of related to a question that I have for you as well, which is, you know, how are, how should we as Indians sort of preserve these recipes going forward because you've obviously uh, you've contributed by making this video series along with your team. What else are you planning to do to be able to solve this issue and in terms of losing these recipes and how do we as a broader community support that? I, I, that's, a, that's a really, uh, I think, uh, good question. I think first and foremost, it's really important that, uh, that people, when you have your family recipes, right, everyone's home eventually will have recipes that are lost, so to speak, right, from home to home. So you might have one in your home right now, you know, I might, I, I definitely have some, um, everyone's homes have, you know, uh, your grandmother's cooking, even your mother's cooking or your father's, your, it could be anyone. and. Uh, they're bringing down recipes that they've they've learned from generations before, and I think it's uh, the the best way to preserve them is to is to 
uh, is to kind of uh, I would say learn more about them and, and and take up your you know whether you cook them or not at least codify them I mean put them down you know uh, now uh, and in fact now it's even easier just just shoot them on a phone uh, you know document yeah. them for yourselves because uh, who knows one day you you may uh, you know miss uh, miss those recipes you know where it's a like I said I mean it's it's a it's a tradition so I think the the best way to preserve them would be to uh, that all of us in our homes uh, and which uh, in a in a personal way are able to kind of do whatever we can to at least make sure that somebody uh, is able to document them either in right. writing or or today make a video of it and keep them away uh, that would be of course uh, and uh, the most uh, obvious way. And the other would be, I think, to it's it's you know if if people genuinely uh, encourage uh, and and join join cooking with with their family members, you know, with their mothers and fathers and grand grandparents, if they're still lucky enough to have the maybe grandparents around doing the cooking, then you know the, the best way is to encourage and to show uh, to show that encouragement and uh, and then you know hopefully be able to preserve those those recipes so uh, yeah we we just brought it to people's notice i think through the show we just be, were able to again bring it to people's notice that that uh, there are these wonderful recipes but i think these recipes exist in all of our homes so best way to preserve them is to just look at your own home cooking and your own family recipes as potentially one day lost <laughs> so make sure you all write them down make those recipe books make those videos put them away so that one day, you know, you're able to pass them on to your kids and the next generation. So yeah. it's, it's part of our tradition. And have a ridiculously delicious meal at the end of all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, without mm -hmm. a doubt, uh, I think of 50 years from now, even the food we cook now will be like incredibly special because I think the way things are going, who knows what food is like 50 years from now, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, what, so, so... Yeah, it's, I think, a great way, uh, really important to preserve our, our heritage and, and food is part of our Absolutely. Heritage. It's not removed from it. So, yeah, just write them down. Yeah, and I love what you say about using this as an opportunity to get the family together because actually some of these recipes, they cannot be done with just one person on their own fumbling around in the kitchen. You You require, it gives you that reason to get there with your grandmother doing whatever you know learning those you have to do it first and you need help to be able to execute some of these really complicated dishes so it's just a beautiful especially in this very very challenging year for people where people are feeling very isolated maybe you're just at home stuck with your family ready to uh, cut each other's throats this is actually a great way a very constructive way of getting people around the table and uh, connecting on something that you know, that gets the previous generation excited as well. I know that whenever uh, I've seen my grandmother in the kitchen watching her cook, it's a very deeply fulfilling experience, not just for me watching her, but actually for her preparing something for me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's. I mean, uh, I think like exactly like you said, the best thing we can do is is to show great interest and and be involved with family cooking. You know? Yes. Okay, if we don't cook, doesn't matter. But I think for a cook and for 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 people who are like you know for our folks and people who are I mean I mean when you encourage your cook, 
they want to do more of it they i mean so yeah you are absolutely right and, and even for people who don't cook no sorry go ahead no i was saying it's it's a great way to like i said just just uh, encourage encourage absolutely yeah and i would say even for people who don't cook do not underestimate the power of tasting stand there and taste and give compliments oh, it yeah. is actually the biggest encouragement to someone who is cooking especially from the previous generation yeah from from all generations like like i i i've just like i say i mean you know cooks are only one part of it like you know the the uh, the diner or the the, the eaters are are Absolutely. even more important because you know we cook to feed and then you know without without them eating it it's it's, it's only cooking <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh-huh. it's the it's that connection which makes it an experience so i want to close out with a final question that came in from uh, someone who's listening in what are your expectations going forward from the show what are you sort of hoping to get out of this going forward into the future um firstly i would like to be out back on the road again as soon as it's possible you know to go out and 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 again kind of connect with more uh, communities and people and 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 bring more recipes out back you know for our viewers and uh, personally i i would love to kind of get a chance to put this all down into maybe a book or uh, even even uh, even uh, if we can do it even digitally maybe now that would work but but we get able to document them and and also i think what a lot of people would like to know is how how they could take them and make them uh, adapt them to our kitchens you know adapt them to modern kitchens uh, maybe substituting certain ingredients and and things like that um, so yeah i'd like to hopefully be able to explore some more and and then get a chance to do some uh maybe book work on it because i think if if there is uh, some recipes definitely need to be kind of put down on paper yeah. or yeah. Uh, you know. absolutely like i'm not going to be able to replicate the moti pulao just by hearing you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. need pieces really... on that recipe yeah and so many like that and i think this but it would also be something which which would require a lot of contributions from everyone like yeah. like look like i said i mean this is not one person thing it's it's a multiple people it it belongs to everyone right the cooks the the families the so i think this would be something to do it justice one would need to do it really carefully and and make sure that everything is represented correctly because it, it's again about the history culture and and all of that so so yep Hopefully well, thank you so yeah. much, Chef Aditya. We're going to be waiting for your book then to come out, and thank you for making us hungry and aware through your show. It was a pleasure speaking thank with you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was wonderful uh, speaking with you. Hope hope one can get a chance to uh, come down to Dubai and and maybe you know you could that take us on these tours. That would be an honor. <laughs> no, it would be a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aditya sir and Arvind ma'am, for such an amazing session. I am sure our audience is now craving for such mouth-watering dishes that you just discussed. On behalf of the Orange City Literature Fest, I sincerely express our gratitude towards your acceptance for the session and knowledge shared with us. Special thanks to SGR Knowledge Foundation. So here we come to an end of the three-day event of the Orange City Literature Fest. 
2020. 20 years of existence. Two universities. 23 educational institutes. Offering 137 courses. Rai Sony Group of Institutions. A vision beyond.